Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Truths We Hide podcast. I absolutely do appreciate you being on here. Today's guest is James McNeil. He has a very powerful story. Um, this might be a hard one, but I feel that it's very, it's absolutely necessary to keep sharing stories like this because he is a survivor. He is an army vet. He has a mission and it's to help other veterans, families, and friends get through dark times. He's also a soon-to-be author, and so I can't wait for him to talk to you about his book and everything that he's doing. So James, thank you so much for being on here today. Uh, I really do appreciate that you're still here with us. Thank you. It's, been, it's a, definitely a pleasure. Thank you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us everything just what what how where how did you get here and what you're doing well a long time ago not just kidding um <laughs> when i uh, when i graduated high school i wanted to be a an fbi agent uh there's lots of things i wanted to be when i grew up uh, i decided i didn't want to grow up and join the army and uh if um if you've ever been around soldiers, you know that not being a grown-up fits them perfectly. <laughs> um, but all throughout my time in the military, I had drill sergeants, uh, NCOs, officers tell me that uh, you will find work after the Army because people love to hire veterans. And I found out that is not always the case. Uh, I got out of the Army in 2005. I was medically discharged. I had messed up my knees and it just got to the point that I needed to get out. Uh, the the uh, doctor that was looking at me one time said, I can do surgery again or we can discharge you and let your knees heal in the Army. And I said, you ain't touching my knees again. So I got cut out. Then I went from being uh, a soldier to unemployed. And for someone who had always had a job, that was a huge, huge blow for me. I did not know how to adjust. And I would go to various places to try to find work doing what I was doing in the military. Now, the work I did in the military, I was uh, I worked in operations, flight operations. So that meant I worked in an office. Um, I worked kind of as an aide, kind of think of an admin assistant or coordinator, that kind of work. But because of the fact that I did not have a college degree at that point, all that experience I had in the military really didn't mean anything, getting a job as an admin assistant or as a liaison or anything like that. Uh, so that, that pushed me into a further depression. How am I gonna find work? Um, anyone who's dealt with the, the concept of how do I find work, especially after the military, will understand why I was there. Uh, I, uh, I'm not proud of this, but uh, during that time frame, after the military, I actually tried to commit suicide twice. As you can tell, I'm still here. I, I did not succeed in those either time, but it culminated in September 10th. I remember this day very vividly, September 10th of 2017, 
I almost tried a third time. And a very close friend of mine talked me out of it. And he gave me the story or the quote that has become my mantra. I put it on t-shirts. I'm actually wearing one right now that says, your story is not over yet. And that has been my saying. You, you've probably seen me say this over and over to people. Your story is not over yet. And it's, it's an uplifting, you can beat this concept. Um, if your story is not over yet, you can still win. Um, like I said, I, I tried to find work, tried to find work. Um, ended up writing a book in 2016. Uh, it's called Nuggets of Gold. It is currently published on Amazon. And then um, something told me I needed to tell my story. How did I overcome this? I call it a demon of suicide. How did I overcome this? And so I started working on the second book, which is called Finding Your Personal Mission. That one is uh, it's coming up very soon for its launch date. But we're day by day getting closer to it. It is, it is the story of how I overcame the obstacles that I had to deal with, uh, such as imposter syndrome, such as anger issues, uh, down the list of different things that I had to deal with. And uh, it even covers something simple like how to have a good day when you really don't want to have a good day. Uh, people look at Mondays and they say, oh, I hate Mondays. I love Mondays because the day is all about what you make of it. You can have a bad day if you want to, but you can have a good day if you want to, and that's what the book, what the chapter looks into. Um, but yes, I, have, uh, I do have one book in print, and then the other one is coming up very soon. That's amazing. I, uh, I'm always, I know with me, I, I can't ever, really pinpoint well I sometimes I can't let me take that back when I think about the times that I've had my own suicide ideations or even attempts I try to think what got me to that place and what got me out of it and it's always um it's always hard to try and describe that to someone who has never really been there and so, and, and it's sad to, it's sad for me because I, you know, I was in that dark place. So I always try to find with other people, what, what got you to that and what got you out of it? What did somebody save you from it? Did you, did you snap out of it or, or what happened? Because it's so hard to get to that place and to get out of it. it it's so hard. And I you're absolutely right. It is, it's not something you just go to easily at all. Um, I like to compare it to being buried under a mountain of pebbles. Each pebble in itself is not much. But when you're, when you're encountering a ton of pebbles, it's going to cover you up. So, for me, it started with getting out of the military, looking for work, not being able to find work, uh, not being able to provide for my family, which 
uh, by and large, men tend to be providers in their mentality. So that affects your identity. Am I really who I think I am? And then there's also the lost identity from being uh, separated from military service, especially when it happens as quickly as it did with me. Um, in January of 2005, doctors suggested that I would be uh, separated. Uh, I, would, I would be medically discharged. By May, I was out. I mean, it was, it was quick. Um, so the lost identity, the, the concept of not being good enough, the concept of I failed and I can't get past this. I mean, all kinds of things would pile up. And as it piles up, you start to think there's no way out for me. And that's where you get to that, that uh, feeling of maybe I should just quit. Yes, on all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I see you nodding, and you know where you know where I'm going. Where I'm going with this? I mean, the idea of maybe I should just quit, and I dealt with those thoughts for years. Um, I dealt with those thoughts for for a long, long time before I actually started to do something about it which granted I went the wrong way and followed through on those thoughts. But uh, I had those thoughts for years, for, uh, I say years, but it was uh, 2005 I tried the first time. Uh, actually 2000. Okay, my mind's letting the, the uh, uh, days kind of blur together. This, this staying at home every day is messing with my head, man. <laughs> yes, I totally it was understand. A long it was a long time ago. It was not long after I got out of the military and I couldn't find work. And um, like I said, just the, the, the thought process of I'm not going to be able to beat this. You lose sight of your, of what you want to accomplish. Um, I'm a reader and I'm also a collector of quotes. And uh, one of the, uh, one of the quotes that I like to, uh, to go with is something from Max Licato. Now, for people who aren't uh, churchy people or Christians, Max Licato may be a, a new author for them, but he, he writes books about the Bible. And he talks about, a one, seeing your goal. And he draws a correlation to mountain climbers that have the uh, clouds over the peak of the, of the mountain they're not going to be as cooperative. They're not going to cover as much ground. They're not going to be as happy as when they can see the peak. Same thing with our lives. If you, you know where you want to go, most people when they get out of the military want to find work. And if you lose sight of that, then you're, going to, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be as productive. You're not going to be as happy. You're going to get into a lot more arguments with loved ones etc. And then and there's another another pebble and another pebble. I'm so glad that you that you brought all of these things up because people 
and, and this could this could be for everyday people as well who lose a job and unexpectedly who has been doing that same job for 15 plus 10 years whatever the case is that's like your whole that's your identity that's what you've lived for that's what you love to do and for male and female I felt the same way I felt like a failure I felt like what what are I, what am I going to do now? You know, I, I, in my mind, I thought when I get out, this is what I'm going to do. I had a mission. I had, I had this, these steps because you, that's what you learn in the military. Sometimes you learn these organizational steps and you have a plan and you know what you're going to do, a timeline, all this. And then when you have six months to change your whole life, you're like, well, shit, six months. What, what am I going to do in six months? And it, and it gets to you. It makes you feel like you have nothing left. And so I completely understand when you say losing your identity, feeling like a failure, not being able to provide. I mean, it's just those thoughts just take over you and there is no other way out. So I, I appreciate you you saying that, but I also appreciate the fact that now you're on this path to help people who have been there to give them hope because there is hope. And I think that's why I am just so honored to have guests like you on here to, to provide that because you can get out of it. It's not easy, but you can get out of it. So I love, so I, I'm, after getting out of those dark places, what made you decide, you know what? this is it. It's time. I want to help other people because I know how it feels. Um, part of that came from, uh, in 2018, I went back to school at UNC Wilmington. Um, for those not familiar, University of North Carolina at Wilmington, it's down at the coast. Um, I've had people tell me, hey, you live at the beach. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm a mountains guy and I grew up in the mountains. So I missed them. Um, but I started going back to school there. And from that first day, I started hanging out with other veterans, other people who were separated and had to go back to school. And they were in the same boat I was in. And literally at the end of, it was either the first week or the second week, I was given a gift that just blew me away. Um, there is at most, if not all, of the UNC system schools, there is what's called the Student Veterans Organization. It ties into Student Veterans of America. Um, I was getting involved in the Student Veterans Organization and learning about it. And the, at that time, Vice President, a man named Jay Richardson, approached me one day. It was, like I said, either the end of the first week or the second week. And they were having what UNCW calls an involvement fair. The involvement fair is basically, here's our group, come and join us. That, and that's it in a nutshell. Uh, student organizations, uh, businesses, churches, all kinds of groups from on and off campus will converge on campus for this huge festival and the student veterans were there. So I'm talking to the president and the vice president says, I've got something for you, come with me. 
And my first thought is, okay, what did I do? My eyes got huge, like, oh no, what did I do? He takes me back in the, uh, in the military resource lounge and gives me this bag. I still have the bag in my room. In the bag was a laptop computer. Um, he said that they wanted to invest in my future. They wanted to give me something really, really good. And I almost broke down in tears right there. Like, I cannot believe you're doing this for me. Um, it's not just, this is not just something simple like, hey, we'll give you a watch or, hey, we'll buy you a cup of coffee. They bought me a freaking laptop computer. Wow. Um, that was, that was part of the wake up call that I, that I needed. It's like, you know what? You can either be part of the problem or part of the solution. And at that point I said, I'll need part of the solution and help other people, help raise up other people's spirits. And, and that's what I've been doing ever since, honestly. That's incredible. Like just, sometimes it just takes that one person to believe in you or to say the, those words that you needed to hear to, in order for you to wake up and go, oh my gosh, yes, I am worthy of this. I, I, this is my mission. This is my, and now this is my passion is to give back. So that's, that's incredible. I, I wow, that's, don't find people like that every day. So that's. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, since then, I have actually been extremely blessed to be part of another uh, laptop being given as a gift. And that was wonderful. Uh, one of my fellow students needed a laptop. He was in the lounge. We're able to use our, use the lounge computers, which is good. Mm -hmm. But uh, he needed something of his own to work on at home and things like that. Right. So we were able to do the same thing for him. And it was, it was the best feeling ever to be able to do that. Oh, wow. Um, the, uh, I, I lost my train of thought. I am so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> in, in 2003, I, uh, I love telling this story because it's, it's kind of funny. We were going into Iraq in 2003. I was in the 101st Division. And uh, the, uh, the convoy, the huge convoy of trucks, we parked, say parked, but we stopped. I'd say about maybe 20 to 30 yards at the most from an Iraqi tank that was on fire. And when I had to pull security on that side of the, of the uh, truck, of the Humvee, and when I was going from the prone position, lying down to standing up, the tank blew up, knocked me into the Humvee. So I have a TBI. So uh, as of now, forgetting stuff is my superpower. And that, is, that is my superpower. And uh, so, so sometimes like, earlier i will just totally forget where i was in the middle of the conversation and it's frustrating but it's also pretty hilarious i'm sorry i kind of chuckled <laughs> because <laughs> um because I, I i do that but for a different reason <laughs> but i I'm, I'm sorry that that's happened but i'm glad that you are able to find some humor in it because it is it's for those that I've spoken to with TBIs, it's very frustrating. 
can be. So I um I appreciate that you have humor with it now because I can't I can't imagine. <laughs> um, one of the things, another quote, like I said, I collect quotes, which is amazing. I can still remember the quotes, but hey, go figure. A comedian named Mike Williams. Um, he said the reason he does what he does is because two reasons. Number one, life is too short not to laugh. Yes. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna wake up one day. You're gonna be 90 years old and realize you haven't laughed. It's too short. Uh, and for, and number two is life is too long not to laugh because some weeks have two Mondays, some days are 30 hours. Life is too long not to laugh, and that's the reason you've got to find humor in things. Um, I like to make the joke with a face like this. I have to find humor, but I usually get hit when I say stuff like that. <laughs> oh, you are so right. I was asked this. Oh gosh, it was a few few months ago. I was in a workshop, and one of the things we were to answer was, "What is the one thing that you?" feel like you need out of life or something like that and I said laughter I said we spent too many years being so serious mm -hmm. and holding things in and not talking about it that now I just want to laugh like I just need to laugh I laugh at myself all the time and um I don't care anymore like you just need to laugh <laughs> your life is too short and life is too long to not do that so if you can find humor in things just do it just just do it. Exactly. Um, the uh, with the book uh, "Secrets to a Better Day," see, it's actually the name of a chapter. "Secrets to a Better Day," and uh, I say three things you need to have: laugh a little, learn a little, and give a little. But the flip side to laugh a little is cry a little. Yes. I mean, we need to we need to give ourselves permission to experience laughter and positive emotions. We also need to give ourselves permission to cry and experience negative emotions. Uh, because that stuff builds up. Yes. Like I said like earlier, the pebbles, that stuff builds up. If you don't express it, it will build up and it will get to be too much. Yes, absolutely. And I really tried to hone in on that with my own children because I have two teenagers and our prayers are with you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. My daughter's going to be 20 in August. My son is, he'll be 18 in January, but I think specifically with, with men, I find is, well, my children who live with strict parents, um, I feel that it's important to teach your children that it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to talk about things. It's okay to cry. Even if you're a 17 year old boy and you're embarrassed, if you're frustrated and you're mad and you need to just let it out, it's okay to do that. I, I don't want, I, I just didn't want my children to feel like they had to be strong all the time because sometimes it's hard to be strong all the time. And I think yes. in, in this generation, these kids are, well, I know I was taught to just not talk about things and you keep everything inside. So then that just passes down. And so these kids don't have an outlet. We need to give them that outlet. So I appreciate that you, you talk about those three things along with, with crying because you have to, you have to let it out or it just, it builds on you and you, you're going to explode. 
and, and it turns into something that not a lot of people want to talk about. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a, on a message once this whole coronavirus mess is over with. Um, I'm going to start working on delivering speeches about this and it's imposter syndrome. Oh God, yes. Because if you, like you, I was, I was raised with the don't let your emotions show emotions or weakness and, and all this other good stuff. I was raised with that. Um, not just from family, but you know, we were both raised around the uh, TV and watch sitcoms and dramas and all that where where letting yourself show emotions was considered a sign of weakness mm -hmm. um <clears throat> actually going to another chapter of the book chapter two chapters one and two both deal with imposter syndrome chapter two deals with the letting yourself show that you need help um Another funny story uh, about basic training this time. I went to basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia in January to February timeframe. Um, February, it was, it was in February, it was one o'clock in the morning, it was 15 degrees. And uh, are you familiar with the, uh, with the uh, uh, sleeping uniform that they had for us? No. Okay, uh, the, the Army has uniforms for everything, and I wish I was making that up, but they do. <laughs> and the sleeping uniform was t-shirt, uh, the PT shorts, okay. and socks, and then your, your shoes were under the bed. Yes, I remember, okay, yep. <laughs> so it's one o'clock in the morning. I'm basically wearing summer PTs, or the physical training uniform. I'm wearing summer PTs. And we get a fire drill and it's 15 degrees. Oh my God. So we go down to the bottom of the stairs and I see the drill sergeant there and he's directing people across the road. And he says, fall in across the road, fall in across the road. Now military people know what fall in means. Uh, for those who aren't military listening, fall in means you stand, you get in formation at a position of attention. Now, what is the one thing you cannot do with the position of attention besides talk? You can't move. Can't move. <laughs> now, I'm not going to say I'm an idiot, but sometimes I play one on TV. And this time I was the idiot because I was so petrified that if I shivered, I was going to be in trouble. So I let my mind take me to a place where I was warm. I was, I was in the mountains, I was by a river, it was 90 degrees, I was fishing, life was good, and I basically stood in the position of attention, not moving, not shivering, because I had over, I had let my mind take me to that warm spot. Now I got really good peripheral vision, and I saw, after a minute or so, I saw the drill sergeant looking at me out of the corner of my eye. And, I, and he's really focused on me, and I'm thinking, Oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. I don't want to do push-ups on this 15-degree uh, ground. Yeah. Finally, he lets us go. And I start to jog back inside, and he calls me over. You private! And I just froze. And as I'm turning around and I'm hoping he's talking to someone else, I see him looking directly at me. Won't say what I said then, but 
it wasn't a good word. Oh no. I ran over to him, I put my hands behind my back, parade left. I said, yes, Drill Sergeant, weren't you cold, Private? By this point, I was no longer in that warm spot. I was back in the 15 degrees. So I was like, freezing, Drill Sergeant. You weren't shivering. Too scared for Drill Sergeant. Man laughed so hard. He actually scared me how hard he laughed. He's like, ah, I'm not going to make you do push ups for shivering. I didn't know that drill sergeant. Go back in, go sleep, warm up. So I turn around to run back inside. He turns around to yell at another drill sergeant. Hey, drill sergeant, you ain't gonna believe what this idiot just did. But I mean, I was too scared to show weakness because I thought people, or to show that I was cold because I thought people would see that as a weakness. How many times have we been too scared to show anything that would be perceived as a weakness. And that's, again, another pebble, another pebble on top of us, because not only are we dealing with this, but we're distancing ourselves from people that can help us. Yes, that is so true. And I think that's why we do what we do now is to, to help people know that they're not alone, that it's okay. It's okay to show emotion, because if you don't, it's going to, it's going to consume you and you're going to let it all is. those pebbles keep falling on you and you're never going to be able to get out of it. Exactly. Wow. Um, yeah. And this is one thing where I have to take you and me and others who aren't currently going through these things to task a little bit. It isn't enough to just say, Hey, reach out to me. I'm here for you. People that are going through this are not going to reach out. Right. They're just not. We have to reach out to them and say, I see you dealing with some issues. Is there anything I can do to help you? And don't just take the no, I got this as, a, as an answer, because that's what you're going to get for a little bit. Push in. How can I help you? I want to help you. I do not think you're weak. I know you're human. You're dealing with a lot. Let me help you. We need to go to people who are struggling and say, I've been there. Let me help you. because." Again, like you said, and what I was saying earlier, we had this mentality growing up. And then we raised our children with this mentality of you don't reach out. You don't, you don't show weakness. But that's the absolute wrong answer. Right. We need to be able to reach out to each other to say, let me help you. Right. In addition to, hey, I need help. We need to open up that door to say, let me help you. It's a two-way street. It really is. Right. No, you're so right, especially with, with people. You could say all day long, please don't hesitate to reach out, but some people won't. They don't know how. They don't want to share what they're going through because they're afraid that they're going to be judged. Exactly. And, that yeah. fear of being judged is huge. Is. People don't realize how huge it is. It and, is. That's, and that's one reason. I've, had, I've learned this in the hard way. But I have learned this lesson. It got in and it's staying so far. I don't care what it is that you've been through. I don't care if it goes against my final sensibilities as a Christian. I'm going to help you. Right. I'm not going to judge you. Right. Well, I did this thing and this thing and this thing, and the Bible says that's a sin. Well, you know what? I've done some pretty bad things too. And the Bible doesn't run up in my hands. I think you're good. Yes. 
Yes. It, it, okay, let's focus on getting you help. Right. Yeah, we're not perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. And so I, there is no room to judge here at all. So the most important thing is to help you, to get you help. You're so right. Um, as, far as, uh, as far as the book is concerned, it isn't just for people who are going through stress. It isn't just for people who are dealing with suicidal thoughts. It's for friends and family too. Uh, it isn't just how can you overcome imposter syndrome? How can you help your friends do it? It addresses both ways. Um, how can you overcome anger issues? How can you help your friends do it? Um, the hardest chapter for me, the hardest two chapters for me were anger issues and attitude. Because, and I know this is going to shock you, but I've been told I have an attitude problem. Please, please try to contain your shock. Uh, but uh, uh, it's not only how you can do it yourself, but how you can help others do it. And, and that's something that um, I, I want people to understand this is not just for, for those who are dealing with suicidal thoughts. Well, I'm not dealing with it, so this book won't help me. Yes, it will, because you know someone who is dealing with it and you can help them. Thank, yes, thank you for, for saying that and for, and for focusing on that because you are right. It, it's, I've had so many people reach out asking me how to help someone else because they just don't know how. And that's so hard to do, especially if you've never been through that. How do you help your friend who's going through that? Because you don't, you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You've never dealt with it. So I think that's great. And it's so needed. It is. There's so many people out there who just do not know how to help. And people really want to help. Yes. I mean, every, every once in a while you'll come across the jerk that's like, I don't care. Okay, forget that guy. <laughs> Most people really do want to help. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how. Right. And when you don't know how to do it, you feel overwhelmed. And there's your own problem. And, and, and we end up being separated, which I get social distancing, but we don't need to be separated to the point that we don't lean on each other. We can lean on each other through through Zoom calls like we're doing now. We can lean on each other through telephone calls, messages, text. But let's be there for each other. Let's send a message. Hey, are you doing all right? Is there anything I can do to help? And genuinely mean it. Right. I mean, don't don't just do the the standard. Hey, how th how are things going? I really don't want you to answer that question, but how are things going? No, seriously, mean what you say. Be genuine. Because when you're not being genuine, people will see that. People will catch that, that you're not being genuine and they're not going to open up to you. Right. You're right. And I think that this is a, one of the most important times in history in, in seeing things like that and being there for each other genuinely and not using social media as a oh, I don't know, political rant or saying mean things. This is the time to actually reach out to people who are suffering. This is not the time to discover what kind of sweet potato you are. This is the time <laughs> to reach out and support each other. You're so right. And, and by the way, I, I'm, I'm a yam. <laughs> You're so, that's so right. <laughs> um, I know you all have seen those on Facebook. I know you could go on there. What kind of superhuman am I? What kind of potato am I? What <laughs> and we just play the games because there's nothing else to do. 
Pretty much, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> um, but one thing on a sobering, sobering note, I read this the other day that since the, uh, since the, the, I call it the panic has hit from the virus because the virus didn't cause this, the panic did. Since the panic from the virus has hit, uh, suicide hotlines have been ringing off the hook. Um, suicide has been going up and, and that's just the ones of people that are doing it. How many more people are actually thinking about it? Yeah. Uh, this, this is a need that is, that is bigger than ever. And um, one, of my, uh, one of my friends commented, I've got a launch team for the book. And on the team, one of my friends said that this is the perfect time for this book. And I'm starting to realize that this, this is the perfect time because so many people are dealing with this stress of how am I going to make ends meet? Uh, what am I going to do? Can I ever leave my house? Uh, things like that. Right. And it, it's, it's a huge thing. I mean, I'm not making light of it. Although I do make jokes about everything, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to make light of it because this is a very serious issue. We, we've right. got people that are getting overwhelmed and we can reach out to help them. Right. And they're not, and, and we, we cannot say, hey, my inbox is open if you ever want to talk and just leave it at that. We need to actively, you can say that, but actively reach out and say, let me help you. And Sometimes be that persistent jerk that does not back down until you know they say something. If it's not to you, to someone, that you know they're getting the help. Yes. Um, I am not above the idea of calling in a police health and, health and welfare check on someone if I know they're aggressive, if they're talking about hurting themselves. And I've been cussed out many times. Why'd you call the cops on me? Well, you're threatening to kill yourself and I'm not gonna let that happen. And I've lost friends, but you know what? I know they got the help they needed. Yeah. So you have to make that hard decision sometimes when it has to do with the health and welfare of somebody, especially when it's suicide. Yep. You're so right. You are so right. Gosh. James, you had a lot today and I, I'm just, I'm so glad we connected. I'm so glad you're sharing your story. This is, this is huge. Uh, definitely get your book out as soon as you can. I know it's going to help people. Where yes. where can people find you? Do you have a website? Do you have a Facebook page that people could contact you at? Okay, um, I do have a uh, a website. It's jamesmcneilauthor.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, my book page is called Finding Your Personal Mission. Um, I have a, a page for the inspirational t-shirts called the inspirational connection. And I've literally just started another page for uh, coffee themed t-shirts because coffee. That's I mean, all you gotta because say. Coffee. Um, that one is, is building, but it's called coffee and t-shirts, I believe. Actually, I have to look that up real quick to make sure I have that correct. Um, it's called coffee teas coffee teas perfect yes the instagram is coffee and t-shirts okay so there's lots of different ways to find me um the the finding your personal mission page has 
regular updates as well as the link to the, uh, the uh, launch team if you want to be part of that. Uh, I would love to get anybody who's listening, if you're interested in helping to, to spread the word about the upcoming book launch, join the team. I would love to have you on the team. All we need you to do is just put the word out, tell people about it, copy and paste, and just put the word out. That's perfect. Thank you so much for, for still being here, for spreading the message. And I love your story is not over yet. That's absolutely correct for anybody that's listening. It is not over yet. There's so much more to do. And I invite you to go follow James and everything that he's doing. Thank you so much, James, for being on here today. It has been a pleasure. I hope you have a fantastic day. Same to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Truths We Hide podcast created by A Wild Ride Called Life. To find out more about our mission, visit www.awildridecalledlife.com.